Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast powered by Jiffy Lube. He's Justin Dunk and I'm John Hodge. Today, we're discussing some bad luck for a pair of aspiring Canadian NFL players, Edmonton's financial losses, and the team's new name update. But first, Ontario Sports Minister Lisa McLeod said that the province has not approved the CFL's return-to-play plan, which contradicted a report from TSN claiming that all six CFL provinces had done so. It also turns out that BC has not formally approved the plan Dunkster, you've been all over this. What can you tell us about it? All right, well, let's start with the latest, first of all, which is from Ontario Sport Minister Lisa McLeod. She remains hopeful the CFL can kick off its season in the summer, but she also does not foresee fans in the stands by the August 5th target date. And Haji, you well know that the CFL needs a significant number of fans in stadiums to proceed for opening day. So the fact that McLeod has come out and filled in a lot of details here gives us clarity, which to be quite honest, the league office has not provided. And I think it really does show that it's not that hard to do so. She talked about the behind the scenes process and saying that the league has come to them with a proposal her team works on it to refine it it goes to the health table in Ontario then the health people come back with a number of different queries or changes that they would like to see and ideally once you go back and forth a number of times you cross all the t's and dot all the i's and eventually get back on the field the major sticking point here though is going back to that report that came out from tsn's dave naylor during the cfl draft when everyone got excited and us too don't get me wrong we want to see three down football back on the field my man that all six provinces had either verbally or physically signed off on return-to-play plans. Well, some people were saying that it was not necessarily the return-to-play plans or it had more to do with the players and less than the fans, but both Bonnie Henry, the provincial health officer, and BC, and now Lisa McLeod, the Ontario sport minister, who has worked closely with the Leafs and the Senators, have come out and stated, no, that is not the case. So they're working on it, but they're not there yet. Yeah, and this is obviously a messy situation because, like you said, draft night, that was an exciting piece of news that came out. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Okay. We're, we're cooking with some grease now. This is uh, this is something that, that <laughs> CFL fans can really sink their teeth into. This is, this is a legit update, and, and obviously – 
I mean, we it's still uncertain as to what could happen, but but tell tell the listeners at home, Dunkster, what what does this mean for the CFL? Their target date is still August fifth. Are you skeptical in light of today's news that they can still meet that date? Or, or do you do you think that there's a good chance it could happen? Do you think there's no chance? Like like give us your thoughts. What what are we realistically looking at for a CFL, you know, summer trajectory based on this information? coming out of Ontario and on the West Coast. I'm just trying to be realistic is all because I feel like people inside the CFL, whether that be the players, obviously, but also coaches, talent evaluators, people that work in the league office that aren't at those high ranking board of governors position or Commissioner Randy Ambrosi are being told lies, to be quite honest, because their lives are are in jeopardy here. And we saw an example of that with Ryan Pollock, the longtime Rough Rider member of that organization, stepping down from his director of personnel role to pursue a different career. So clearly he feels like this CFL is not telling the entire truth. I'm not trying to speak for Mr. Pollock, but when you look at some of the people that have moved on from the CFL, that shows you that they feel like the league is being disingenuous in terms of the dates and potentially getting back on the field. People's lives are at stake here, and I'm skeptical because I'm going to trust the people that are going to sign off on return to play from whatever level that is. The players coming north from the American border or over the American border or even fans being allowed in stadiums. Both Lisa McLeod and Dr. Bonnie Henry have said they have not signed off and McLeod called it ambitious for fans to be in the stands by August 5th. Now, would we like to see that happen? Yes, of course, my man. We love three-down football. I want to see the CFL play. But to me, it all shows that the league is not willing to spend the money to get on the field because McLeod actually said that she is hopeful that they can be in a position by August 5th to potentially sign off on return to play. Fans in the stands is a whole other conversation, but she thought August 5th in terms of just playing was, quote, probably not too ambitious. Yeah, and that's something else that's been mixed up here is I think a lot of people interpreted the news of, oh, the provinces have all signed off to mean, oh, well, this is great. We can have some fans in the stands. We're ready to roll. And, and, you know, the, there's still very few, if any, uh, uh, fans at live hockey games in, uh, in, in the NHL. But, of course, the big difference is, you know, we know from the experts that have reported it, you know, there, there's a very low risk of transmission in outdoor settings rather than indoor settings. And so, you know, there's a big difference, I think, between sticking 5,000 fans, you know, at, uh, you know, at a football game or Commonwealth Stadium, for instance, versus, you know, Rogers Arena, where, where the setting is much smaller and you're, you're indoors. So, you know, I, I, I think obviously the, the fact that we don't have just simply the return to play approved is one thing, but then you got the extra element of fans. I mean, I think, I think there's been some positive stuff out of Alberta with them talking about major events. It looks like the Calgary Stampede is going to happen this year, which I think has to be good news for Calgary and Edmonton. But certainly there's work to be done, Dunkster. And, and as the league said, they're not going to play unless they can have a substantial percentage of fans. And you mentioned a real key there, Haji, in terms of the NHL. 
obviously in the United States, there are fans that can go to games, and we're going to see that for the NFL. But in Canada, hockey, we know, is the number one sport in the country, and that's why they've been able to play a season. The other major part of that, of course, is money, but there are still not fans allowed in arenas. Yes, those are enclosed places, but a lot of people felt like when the Oilers sent at least a proposal to try to get some fans in Rogers Arena, that that was a real positive. They felt like it was going to happen. I believe the date on that, Hodge, if I remember right, was by the end of April. Clearly, that time has passed. There's still no fans in there. So if they're not even going to allow fans inside hockey arenas, and I understand that's inside and the CFL is outside, but we know hockey is number one. That shows you that that's not going to happen. And in Ontario, where I'm currently living, the Premier, Doug Ford, has said there will be no large sporting events in the summer, and right now, he just literally extended the stay-at-home orders until June 2nd. Hodge, I can't even go to a golf course or a (laughs) tennis court and play tennis if I wanted to. And we're thinking that the CFL is going to be allowed to have, let's say, even a reduced number, 75 players in three different cities for training camps come July. Remember, the report dates for training camps come about a month before the season. Depends on the team, but I believe the Riders were July 10th in the memo that we had on Three Down Nation. So you're telling me that you can't even play baseball in Ontario, but by July, you're going to be able to have three teams with, let's say, let's use that 75 number, 75 players in training camp. Honestly, I just don't see it. I want to see it, but the timeline seems really short unless, and it has been a little more positive here lately with the vaccine rollout. That really gets going, but AstraZeneca has been paused. There's a lot of people that are worried about getting the vaccine, at least in Ontario, because AZ has been put on hold. Yeah, and we're not going to get into the vaccine talk because neither of us are health experts, and those are the people at the end of the day who we should listen to. Uh, I ate Viva Puffs for dinner, so nobody should ever come to me (laughs) asking for health advice. Um, But uh, certainly there are a lot of concerns, a lot of bridges to cross, and I think you're right, Dunkster. We've repeatedly seen in Canada, at least from the latest report I saw, has actually vaccinated or is vaccinating more people per capita than any other country in the world. And so a very slow initial rollout of vaccines, you know, our country's overcome that. But still, um, obviously, the numbers are still high. Manitoba, by the way, May 13th, the day we're recording this, had its number one worst COVID day since the pandemic started. 570 (sighs) cases in this province where I live and uh, which is the equivalent dunkster for all of you and your Ontario buddies out there is the equivalent of about 6,000 in that province uh, relative to population, which is, which is crazy. Uh, we got to take a break dunkster. When we come back, we're going to talk some ball. This episode of the three down nation podcast is brought to you by the one and only manscape. This is your pubic service announcement, not public Pubic and the news you've all been waiting for, the Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and, of course, Canada. This new trimmer was just released 
moments ago, and we are one of the first to get our hands on it and share the news. That's what we do at Three Down Nation. We break news. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. If you didn't get me, one more time, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code FANSIDED20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Edmonton lost $7.1 million in 2020, Hodge, although they collected $2.5 million from the Canadian Emergency Wage Subsidy Program during the year. In spite of the significant losses caused by the extraordinary circumstances, the Edmonton football team states it has sufficient cash and working capital to meet all of its current and anticipated obligations. What does that tell you about the league's financials, Mr. CFL Businessman? Because you've done the digging on this. (laughs) Well, I'll start off by saying this. A lot of people have criticized the federal government for not stepping in and cutting a check for the CFL as they've done for other organizations in this country. And I think that criticism is fair, certainly to an extent. Uh, But we do have to remember that the CFL has received financial aid. The players received the the Q's money, CEWS money that you referenced, Dunkster, and a lot of uh, uh, CFL personnel, people, coaches, etc. were able to access that money as well. So we need to remember that the CFL has been given financial assistance of some kind. Is it sufficient? Again, I think you can argue it hasn't been. They deserve more. But we need to recognize that they haven't simply been shown the door. Yes, they've received some money. And there are lots of people who are employed by the CFL who who would have gone without paychecks at all this year were it not for that financial aid. However, something that really stuck out to me, we had a story on this on our site. The original report came from Terry Jones was that Edmonton still has not touched its $13 million heritage fund, nor have they touched the $4 million they generated in profit from their most recent Grey Cup hosting. And so I'm not suggesting for a moment that the CFL doesn't need to improve its business model. And that's something that I think has has kind of grown tiring, to be quite honest, is anytime somebody says, I don't think the CFL needs the XFL, the immediate counter-argument is, oh, so you think the league should just stay the exact same? It's like, no, <laughs> nobody has once said that. But I don't think an appropriate counter-argument to, I don't think the CFL should change everything about itself is, ah, therefore you think it should stay the same. No, I think the CFL certainly needs to enhance its business model. I think it needs to improve its leadership on the business side, for sure. Uh, But the fact that Edmonton, after the biggest rainy day in CFL history, has $17 million just sitting there in its rainy day fund is very interesting, especially when uh, team president Chris uh, Chris Presson during their AGM said, as you quoted, Dunkster, that they've got sufficient cash and working capital to meet all of their current and anticipated obligations. Very interesting stuff uh, to me. And I will say that just... From my own opinion, I do believe that the governments in Canada 
have given the CFL more money than they deserve. And your example of the Edmonton football team stands out, plus you have the private owners that you've documented, Hodge, are worth hundreds of million, if not billions of dollars together. So the fact that Edmonton gets two and a half million, who laid off a bunch of people, so that number would have been over three, I bet, if they kept on the same number of people as Winnipeg, because the Blue Bombers, in their financial statement, said they got over three million dollars from the government. So Again, if you extrapolate that out to the league office and the other teams, they got over $30 million from the governments in Canada, plus whatever helped out the players. So I don't think they need more money from the government. I think they need to invest and get on the field. And the way to do it, it seems to be this year, if they're real serious about playing, Hodge, if they're going to back up all this talk and bravado, is a hub city. I know they don't want to explore it, but you can see clearly... In Saskatchewan or in Winnipeg, they would be welcomed with open arms. We know it could have been done in 2020. And to me, that's the way that you get around all of this. Instead of having to do the dance with six different provinces, you only got to do it with one and the federal government. That's how the NHL got back on the ice. And to me, I see that as the easiest path for the CFL to do so. Staying with Edmonton, Edmonton football team president Chris Presson said they're 80 to 85 percent of the way to announcing a new name and logo for that franchise and guaranteed it would be out by August 1st. When are you hoping to see an announcement? Well, the CFL needs to play this smart here because there's going to be this period, and I believe we're already in it, where the draft has happened. And as much as you and I love the CFL draft, Hodge, it just doesn't have the hype and the following that the NFL draft does or some of the other drafts, maybe even the NHL draft. So they need to play it smart here in weighing when is this going to be announced and we don't want to have too much of a dead period. So in my mind, just going based on the schedule that the league has laid out, if they're actually really feeling like they can get on the field on April 5th, to me, the name announcement needs to come out relatively soon. We're about midway through May. So I could really see, you know, sometimes at sometime towards the end of May or in June, especially if you think there's a legit opportunity to get on the field so that you can put all of the attention on the name and stop having us reporters dig into what's going on behind the scenes <laughs> and getting the real details. Well, here's, here's my complaint about that as well. And you talked about timing and dead zones. Edmonton announced its final seven choices from its survey on February 8th. And hardcore CFL fans will know that the second week of February is always the most exciting week of the offseason, Dunkster. Why? Well, we got free agency, right? We didn't even play <laughs> in 2020, yet we had all kinds of players with contracts that were expiring, looking for new teams, new deals, new, new everything. And I was so disappointed <laughs> for selfish reasons when that announcement came out on February 8th. It's like, are you kidding me? This is the one week of the offseason we're guaranteed to have exciting headlines across the CFL. And you're putting name stuff out like like wait for March. Like we're not going to get a combine. Wait for March. There's a massive dead zone there. They didn't do that. They put it out a couple of days before free agency. 
And to me, this is the perfect time to announce it now. I think, honestly, they should have announced it in March because March had a, a pretty dead zone in it, uh, as did April. Uh, but certainly, get it out well, sooner than Well, that's when they late. announced the XFL, though, buddy. Okay, fair enough. Everything. Fair enough. You, you still could have done it the first week of March, though. That wasn't until the midway point of the month. Um, but my, my point is just, you know, there, there's certainly going to be a gap here in time. As you mentioned, the CFL draft is done. Things I think will heat up regardless of the CFL come September because the NFL's back on. We've got all these super exciting young Canadians who are playing in the NFL this year. But yeah, for the love of, of, of Canadian football, please, Edmonton, get your name out there soon. Do not make us wait until August 1st, especially Chris Preston also said, Oh, he said he's so confident they're going to play on August 5th. Well, dude, if your team's playing on August 5th, I certainly hope they have a name and logo by August 1st. (laughs) Yeah, they need a logo if they're going to go to training camp, right? (laughs) Yeah, welcome to the team. Oh, what are we called? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) We don't have a name We'll tell you later. (laughs) We'll tell you later. Canadians Nelson Lacombo and Logan Bandy ran into some bad luck after receiving minicamp invites from the Washington football team. Of course, both players were drafted by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and Lacombo play his university football for the Huskies in Saskatoon. What can you tell us about how it shook down for both of those guys? Yeah, the NFL has mini camps usually right after the draft where they bring in their undrafted players, their drafted players, and then they also are able to bring in a handful of unsigned guys for, for workouts. And we have seen in past years guys who get mini camp invites end up signing a contract and actually go on a training camp. And that's the exact boat that Lacombo and Bandy found themselves in when they were invited to the mini camp in Washington. Problem is, one of the other, not them, but one of the other guys invited uh, as an unsigned free agent uh, tested positive for COVID. And so Washington's solution was to say, okay, we're going to downsize our minicamp. We're going to keep our drafted players and we're going to keep our young guys from last season. But anybody who's not currently under contract, we're sending home. And so Lacombo and Bandy traveled all the way to D.C., got ready, and uh, the camp, which is set to start on Friday, it's starting on the 14th, uh, will no longer include them. And the other tricky part is these are both highly sought-after U-sports players, and let's not forget U-sports hasn't played in a year. NFL teams are desperate to see what kind of shape these guys are in, what they can do. But all the other mini camps across the league essentially are full, so my heart's broken for these guys. I mean, they, they, they obviously prepared super hard in training for the draft, both went to the Riders, the combo at number two overall, which is pretty sensational for a U-sports defensive back. But their NFL opportunity seems to have dried up before it even started, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's awful. I, I feel terrible for them. I got to say this about the funkiness between the CFL draft and the NFL draft. Logan Bandy gets picked in the fifth round, but Cole Nelson goes fifth overall, yet Bandy is invited to do a workout for an NFL team. How does that make any sense, Hodge? Well, the CFL draft doesn't make any sense to begin with, and I say that as someone who loves the CFL draft more than maybe anybody. I mean, we also live in a world now where Cole Nelson went, I think it was 14 spots above Mohamed Diallo, who at six foot three and I think 300 pounds had five sacks and or three. Oh, I think it was three sacks in five games as an edge rusher 
was first team all Mac. Uh, but anyways, um, it, it, what it tells you is that Logan Bandy fell a lot further than he should have on draft day. And uh, I think he's going to be motivated to prove some teams wrong. And uh, the team that will benefit that is uh, it's going to be the Riders. We'll take a quick break, Dunkster. When we come back, it's time for Hodges Heritage Moment. Welcome back for Hodges Heritage Moment. On this day in 1983, Herb Gray was inducted into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. The native of Sattler, Texas, played 10 seasons with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers from 1956 to 1965 and was named a West Division All-Star six times. The defensive end won four great cups with the team and served as the team's defensive captain for nine seasons. How'd you know who my captain of oil changes is? It's Jiffy Lou, bro. Summer is here, and I know we can't go out and do much stuff, especially in Ontario. But even still, my car's got to run nice and smooth. I hit up Jiffy Lube in and out, I like to say, in a Jiffy, bro, for that oil <laughs> change. And the car is running nice. Beauty. We now go to the three-minute drill powered by Jiffy Lube. Canadian offensive lineman and medical doctor Laurent Duvernay-Tardif is officially back with the Kansas City Chiefs after spending the 2020 season fighting COVID-19. Are you excited to watch him play again? Oh, hell yeah, and I bet you Patty Mahomes is too after that Super Bowl. <laughs> Canadian defensive back Ben's... Canadian defensive back Benjamin St. Just signed a max value rookie contract for a third round pick with Washington. His signing bonus, Haji, over a cool million dollars. What are your expectations for him? Here's something I'm really excited about. His first game, week one, is Washington against L.A., where he could match up against Brampton native Josh Palmer, who was drafted just three spots ahead of him. That would be amazing. First game for a couple Canadians lining up opposite each other. Outstanding. Canadian quarterback Nathan Rourke received a minicamp invite from the New York Giants. Think you could catch on with the G-Men? Dude, you asked me about Canadian quarterbacks, you know what the answer is going to be. Yes, man. His arm has been popping. He's been working hard. We could do a whole three-minute segment on Nathan Rourke. But honestly, the fact that he gets in the building to at least show his skills after rookie minicamps were canceled last year in the NFL due to COVID-19 is a big plus. It's been rare. The last quarterback to do it, Brandon Bridge. Los Angeles Chargers signed Canadian defensive lineman Christian Covington, the son of CFL great Grover Covington. Think he'll make the 53-man roster, though, Hodge? I think he will. The Chargers have five Canadians on their roster right now, which is sensational. I hope all five make the team. Former Hawaii star quarterback Colt Brennan passed away this week at the age of 37. Dunkster, was Brennan not a legend? at that university he was man r.i.p colt brennan that rainbow tint visor that he used to rock there with the rainbow warriors was hype and the riders i'm gonna say it right now should have gave him at least a chance to play in a preseason game i think he could have been a cfl star former cfl star receiver deron carter has been hired by north palm beach prep is that a big deal well, we saw after posting this article that Deron Carter can still move the needle on 3-Down Nation, so I'm guessing, yes, it's a good move for North Palm Beach Prep. 
Chris Preston said the 2021 CFL schedule could be finalized by the end of May. Do you believe him? No, because I don't believe anything that comes out of the mouth of any of the CFL leaders. I'll take my information from government officials, although they can be a little shifty from time to time. 56-year-old Darren Burns became the first Canadian to ever play organized football in six different decades this past weekend when he suited up for the Moncton Mustangs. How amazing is that? Darren Burns, mad respect, 56 years old, and he's out there getting it. Tackle football, love the passion. Liram Hyrula, who hit a 59-yard field goal in the Spring League. Why is he not the NFL, Dunster? I will never understand, bro. He made it with ease. Any NFL team that saw that, bring this cat in right away. Although the U Sports East West Bowl will not take place due to COVID 19 in 2021, the rosters were still released. Any names fans should watch for, Mr. Draft Guru? My favorite player potentially in the whole 2022 CFL draft class thus far is Adam McHart, running back for the University of Saskatchewan. He's tiny. I'm not convinced he's going to run an amazing 40 yard dash, but if you pop his name into YouTube, his elusivity, his quickness is amazing. Frankly, I might coin him the Canadian Charles Roberts. Canada West, scheduled a six-game season. Who are you more confident plays football in 2021? The CFL or Can West? It's a Canada West, man. They already have a plan. They have a few backup plans. University of Regina head coach Mark McConkie said... They could just play a four-game schedule against Saskatchewan and Manitoba. So if Odell Canada puts up a line, Canada West has to be the favorite to kick off football in 2021. Well ahead of the CFL, man. Come on. Good call, Dunkster. On that note, we thank you as always for listening to the Three Down Nation podcast. We'll be back next Thursday for more on the latest on all things Canadian football. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.